This week on Ultra 64, we are unearthing the dirt on Earthworm Jim 3D because worm puns. Welcome to Ultra 64, the absolute grooviest podcast that is on the internet. My name is Steve Gutman. I am Woody Siskowski, co-host of the number one source for all video game information on the internet, the Ultra 64 podcast. <laughs> it's the number one. Yeah, yeah. don't don't look into that, but uh, I believe we're number one. Yep, and with a special guest, uh, serial host Sarah Koenig. Yes, yeah, finally. The... <laughs> so glad you made it, Sarah. Uh, we're, we're such a fan of your work, and uh, I can't believe you're here. Oh, she left. Oh, dang it. Oh, okay. She, she really what we were doing. I think she saw the Jigglypuff amiibo and then she's like, nope, nope, I'm out. I'm a respected journalist. Mm. Sorry, I'm taking a swig of beer. Speaking, speaking of guests, this is our first time in a while sans guests. Sans guests, We, we yeah. decided yeah. not to subject them to any of this. Yeah. I feel like you and I have enough Earthworm Jim passion to fill a room, right? I think so, and I think we might be the only ones. Jim heads. Yeah, a couple of, a couple of wormies. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're talking about Earthworm Jim 3D. Uh, for those of you who were born post-1995 or so, uh, Earthworm Jim was kind of a really big deal for kind of a really brief period. I mean, I would say there'd have to be more... Even if you were born in 1995, you still probably didn't catch the full Earthworm Jim train. I'm sure it was big on people who were zero. Earthworm Jim catching on with the toddlers. Kids, ask your parents about Earthworm Jim. They'll tell you. They'll sit you down and tell you about the birds and the bees and the psychros and the worms and the (laughs) professor monkey for a head. And the queen slug for a butt. It's it's a talk everyone has at some time. Eventually. You need to get that out there. And as long as you're coming to it from a safe and loving place and and being responsible, then yeah, absolutely. There's a special time in every worm's life when a power suit falls from space and imbues that worm with superpowers. And the voice of Dan Castellaneta, if he's lucky, if he's real lucky. So yeah, we're talking about Earthworm Jim. I think uh, this was, I think this is a really good example of a property that had like a relatively small cultural impact, but it's still like for a moment, it was kind of the hottest thing for just a second. If you were a gamer in the mid nineties, like this was the biggest deal in the world for just like Three years, you know, uh, and then it kind of moved on. We were talking a little bit last week on the Conquer episode about how difficult it is to do comedy in a video game. Uh, I actually found a, an interview with Ron Gilbert, who's the creator of the Monkey Island games. A renowned, renowned for his early contributions to funniness in video games. Absolutely. And uh, they were asking him why he doesn't think, or why, like, why comedy is so hard to do. And he said because comedy is so much about timing, mm-hmm. and video games inevitably you have to turn the timing over to the player. Yeah. So it's that's just gonna, it's gonna mess with the rhythm of it. Yeah, tend, the, the funnier games tend to be ones that are just you know, don't have as much gameplay, right? Like those early Monkey Island games and yeah. those adventures where it's just a lot of dialogue. A lot of dialogue, lots of, like, experimenting and putting a stick on a squirrel or something, yeah. Hamster in microwave. Yeah, Whipping yep. hamster with head. Exactly. <laughs> but I think Earthworm Jim was able to get around all this and be funny because of the art style and because yeah. a lot of what was happening in the background independently of what your player was doing. So, yeah, Earthworm Jim was created by a gentleman named... Doug Tenapal? Is that how you pronounce his name? Tenapel, ten, ten apple. I don't know. It's Who? hard to say. It's like T T E capital N 
A P P E L. Like it's a very weird spelling. It's a good. It's a good name if you're an artist, though, because it mm. has a distinct look to it. Um, and he was just he was an animator for Shiny Entertainment. Is that? Yeah, he he got his start uh, on cartoons. He worked mm-hmm. on the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon show, which I remember. Uh, it was pretty funny. They made an NES game about it. And there's some very yeah. He took part in some very nicely animated NES games, like uh, Aladdin is a great looking. He did game. a little bit of Aladdin. He did uh, Jurassic Park on the Genesis. Okay, he I did, know people uh, have fond memories. That Cool Spot, which cool is spot. not a great game, but looks very nice. Yeah, and uh, uh, Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy's Invention. Okay, which uh, he worked on. Which you have him and John Crickvalusi together, which is like double whammy of problematic. Creators. Yeah, we will get to that. <laughs> we'll get um, to that. So he, I think <clears throat> that this Earthworm Jim was sort of. Playmates was trying a toy company was trying to popularize off the craze of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they're like, "Okay, we need sort of a hip, kind of gross toy line here." And then Doug Tenapal is like, "What about this character of Earthworm Jim? Who the premise of Earthworm Jim is he is a regular earthworm, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I guess his name is Jim when he's just an earthworm, but that's yeah, not apparently he named it after his brother." Oh, okay. Yeah, Jim Tenapal. Oh, okay. And the suit falls from the sky, falls from deep space, an experimental power suit, which lands right on Jim's head, and sort of, he gets in that suit, and he becomes a high-powered cosmic space worm. Yeah, and he he gains, like, normal human intelligence and sentience, maybe, like, slightly subnormal, but still pretty smart for a worm. And uh, he has a blaster gun, and, uh, you know... he. It's it's a cool design. It's a very distinctive design. Like uh, Doug Tenapel was trying to fashion it like as a tribute to early Looney Tunes and like Tex Avery and stuff like that. So it's got kind of this outsized personality, these big bug eyes, and it's very he's very animated. He, he's all constantly moving and wiggling and like contorting into strange ways. Yeah, and so Doug proposed this idea to um, David Perry, who was the the founder of Shiny Entertainment, mm-hmm. um, who was again kind of a bigwig programmer at the time i believe he's also irish i believe so yeah yeah and um they came up with this game and they published earthworm jim which was in what 94 mm-hmm. and this game was a huge success was this exclusive to genesis or no it was there's a that? super nintendo and there's a genesis a version. okay okay for whatever reason the genesis version caught on a little more it's very confusing the super nintendo version looks much better uh-huh. um but the genesis version has an extra level Oh, um, it has something to do with the way Genesis compresses. Yeah, but, yeah, they were able to kind of get away with like bigger sprites and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and so to circle back on the comedy about games, the Earthworm Jim One and Earthworm Jim Two, they are funny games. They really are. Um, and it's more they don't rely on any kind of dialogue or anything. They're just funny in the sense that ran- they just have a very random and strange sense of humor. There's yeah. the first level of Earthworm Jim Two, which I'll just, Earthworm Jim Two gets my vote for one of the best underrated games ever. You know, um, I don't think I've dug into that one ooh, too much. I played a lot of it, one. It only but... takes about you can play through the whole thing in probably two hours. It's mm. not very hard. Earthworm Jim One is very hard. It, it really has a is. very frustrating section where you have to pilot this submarine and avoid all these rocks, and it's very annoying. I remember Earthworm that. Jim Two doesn't have as quite as much of that, and you can play through it really quick. And it's just a combination of all these really funny and creative and diverse levels. Um, like one level is just the first level is called anything but tangerines, and I don't know what this means, but it makes me laugh. Okay. And then um, there's a chair that you sit in, and like you can power it forward and back, and then grannies just fall from the sky, and if they hit you, they start whacking you with your purse. I remember um, getting a huge belly laugh in the first game when you. Uh, the, I think the second level is just called Heck. Yeah. It's overrun by an evil villain called Evil the Cat. Yeah. 
and it, it's like all this uh, uh, operatic, like scary music as you're walking through, and then you get a needle scratch, and it starts playing some very gentle, like elevator music. Yeah, and that's somehow worse. It's being punctuated by screams, screams. throughout. Yeah, it's they're it's and so he the Doug Tenapal kind of created this whole rogues gallery as well of uh, Earthworm Jim villains. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the uh, Do you have the whole name of the queen? No, I, I'm sure you do. I do. I was so just the, curious if yeah, you remember the major. It. Uh, I'm going to say. Princess or Queen malformed, festering, pus-filled slug for a butt. Very close, very close. It's Queen pulsating, bloated, festering, sweaty, pus-filled, malformed slug for a butt. Okay, but they okay. they shorten it to Queen slug for a butt most of the time. And you're yeah. trying to rescue uh, the beautiful princess. What's her name? Yes, it's- her actual name. Uh, which is kind of a funny joke about how like disposable the princesses tend to be in these games. How they're just mm-hmm. kind of MacGuffins to keep you moving. <laughs> Yeah, and there's funny. Uh, yeah, there's funny villains. One is Bob the Goldfish, and every t- he's just a fish. And, yeah. and and then when you fight him, Earthworm Jim will just grab him and shove him in his mouth, and that's the whole fight. And probably the main heavy is uh, Psycho, at least like the main. I don't know. Yeah. He's he's kind of like if if Queen Slug for a butt is like the main Bond villain, then Psycho is like the the, the more recurring. Henchman. He's more of the he's more of the arch nemesis to Earthworm Jim, even though yeah. he might not be the full you know, the final tier and arch villain. He's just like a fat crow in a spacesuit, but yeah. I always like that design. I don't know. And one more thing I have to shout out about Earthworm Jim 2 is it has a scene where you just, for no reason, you get in a disguise as a blind cave salamander um, <laughs> and you're swimming through uh, this sort of weird fungus uh, swimming level. And then at the end, you get to this game show and they start asking you questions um, that make no sense, trivia questions. So one of the questions is, what color is Jim's red gun? <laughs> um, and the answer is yellow. The point is to choose the most wrong answer. Okay. Um, I think it's green, actually, and that's how you win. And the, all those questions really make me laugh. So do you have to think of, like, what's on the opposite end of the color wheel? Yeah, or like, exactly. Okay, so I like green that. is the answer. Um, there's just a lot of very random questions. So, again, I want to emphasize play Earthworm Jim 2. It's really mm. great. Um, they're also... One more sh- uh, thing to say is both Earthworm Jim 1 and 2 were scored by Tommy Talrico. Yeah. Who you talked about a long time ago. We were talking about soundtracks and games. You brought up Advent Rising. Yeah. Um, Tommy Talrico's kind of a been a powerhouse in uh, video game soundtracks for a long time. Oh, yeah. he's He's been... And he was with Shiny for most of his early career. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this was this was right in and the middle. And he just... He has really... It's just really funny and creative use of music, like you said, um... The, like classical, I think it's Night on Bald Mountain that they play yes. over Heck was the name yeah, of that piece. And they right. play the Moonlight Sonata in the swimming level. And all it's just really funny, uh, creative use of music. Absolutely. So. And I, I think this game really struck a chord because it, it, it looked gorgeous, first of all. It looked and moved very much like kind of a grittier Saturday morning cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, which was really fun. And it had a v- very nice balanced mix of gameplay. So it was a little bit of like a platformer, and then it was a little bit of a run-and-gun shooter. Uh, you had different abilities, yeah. So you had a gun that like it would run out of ammo, but like not readily. You know, you could yeah. get a ray gun that could work for a while. Uh, you could use your own head as a whip because um, your suit just like whips your body, or you can use that as a helicopter. You can use that as a grappling hook and hook onto things. There it is. Yep. Yeah, so you you had a lot of options, and then there were like racing segments in between, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a good variety of worlds and of gameplay, and it caught on with critics as well. It was a big hit, cr- uh, critically and commercially. Uh, my favorite gaming magazine of the time, EGM, they named it their best uh, Genesis game of the year, and they called Jim the best new character of the year. Mm-hmm. This being nineteen ninety four. 
And the game was eventually ported onto the Sega CD, the special edition, which I think is probably the, the, the definitive way to play it if you have access to a Sega CD, yeah. uh, which we all do, obviously. We're just we're, we're riddled with them. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. We all have a closet full of them. What do we do with all these Sega CDs? <laughs> a bonfire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Earthworm Jim 2, it came out within a year of the first game because it was such a big hit. They just kind of sped it along. And that was one where they introduced – it was largely the same like gameplay-wise, but mm-hmm. they introduced Snot who's like a little green, cute sidekick thing that uh, you use as a grappling hook. and like Oh, so many good memories from Earthworm Jim 2. One of the levels is level 8, A-T-E, and it's just a breakfast-themed planet, so you're <laughs> running and jumping over bacon, and then there's this salt shaker that comes down and tries to s- squirt salt on you. There's a planet of paperwork. It really delivers. I really yeah. want to play this yeah, now. Yeah, no, I- so uh, the series was popular yeah. enough that it spawned a Saturday morning cartoon that I remember very fondly. I watched like every episode of this show when it was on. Like I still to this day have the theme song stuck in my head. <laughs> like I remember all the words. Uh, but it, it lasted uh, – it was created by uh, Tendapel and uh, Doug Landale who went on to do like Disney shows like Dave the Barbarian and things like that. Uh, and uh, it ran from September 95 uh, on Kids WB and had 23 episodes, two seasons. So – Modest hit, but it has kind of a cult following now, largely because it was one of the first non-Simpsons voice gigs for Dan Castellaneta. And one of the few still, right? I mean, one of the few still. He, for as talented as a voice actor he is, I mean, he hasn't done a lot. Well, he, he's not, like, he never set out to be a voice actor. Like, he was, he was never intending to do that. Like, The Simpsons was kind of just like a fluke thing that fell in his lap, and he discovered he was good at it. Uh, but yeah, he, he would do it once in a while. Like he subbed in for the genie on the Aladdin TV show, uh, because he does a good Robin Williams impression. Uh, he'll pop up on different things, you know, uh, the Futurama and Disenchantment, different things like that. I think he was in Disenchantment. I don't know. I'll double check on that. I like, um, yeah, I mean, the thing I like about, um, the humor and, um, you know, Doug Tendapal's humor in general, I would say, Mm -hmm. is that it's funny and weird without necessarily being gross. They kind of it sometimes leans into the grossness, but for a lot of like the '90s type of cartoons, especially like on Nickelodeon or something like your Ah Real Monsters, yeah. or Rugrats, um, Tendapal like Earthworm Jim is not that gross. It's more just kind of surreal. And he yeah. would kind of continue this in some of the later games that he did. Yeah, um, he did a game called The Neverhood, which is an adventure game that's all done in claymation. Which is it's very cool looking. A lot of people have fond memories of that game. Yeah. And then another game called Skull Monkeys, which is a platformer sequel to that game, which plays a lot like Donkey Kong Country. And um. And th- those those games have big like cult followers. Yeah, they're both they're like, pretty cool. I've games. never played. Oh, I played a little bit of Skull Monkeys, but I've never played the Neverhood. And another thing to check out is list go look for the soundtrack by a gentleman named Terry Scott Taylor for those mm. things. It just is super weird and bizarre and has some really catchy songs. There's just a song called "An Elf Sings His ABCs," and that's just <laughs> kind of what it sounds like. Um, there's one of playing pool in outer space. And to get into a slightly unfortunate track here, I think part of the reason that Doug Tenapel's humor is kind of family friendly is he's a super uh, conservative guy, there, which is okay. Which is look, okay. That's here's 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 the thing. This is what kind of makes it tricky. Like, I mean, I, I feel like our, our show is fairly apolitical, even though like I'm biting my tongue a lot of the time because I am a very I do have very strong political opinions. So like. You know, I get it. if you want. I don't have a problem with people being Christian. I don't even have a problem with people being conservative. I do have a problem with his brand of Christian conservatism, which is uh, he's been a very outspoken supporter of Gamergate, mm-hmm. of Comicsgate, very anti-LGBT. Uh, he ran a column on Breitbart for a number Ugh. of years. Uh, he he just it's a very toxic kind of yeah. conservatism. He's very pro-Trump. He's very you know. 
he's he's just kind of a Twitter asshole. Yeah, which, um, which is yeah, it's unfortunate. Which is a shame because I I do like his work and I do and he he moved on from video games into graphic novels and he's done a number of them. One of them was called uh, Ghostopolis from two thousand nine. It was like a YA novel. And uh, it sold very well, and apparently Hugh Jackman bought the rights to make a movie of it uh, at some point. I don't know if, when that's going to materialize. And, I mean, he worked on he, he worked on TV shows after this. He was a producer on... Uh, do you remember the show Push Nevada? I've never heard of that show in my life. That's reason, because it lasted less than a season. But <gasps> that whole gimmick of that show was it was a fictional narrative show produced by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Doug Tendapel. Huh. And it was like a mystery series... And if you figured out the mystery at the end of the show, you won a million dollars. Whoa. It was a game show slash television show that I think it lasted like three episodes. Nobody cared. Nobody got the payout. I feel like all of these pushes, like Advent Rising, I remember had a contest too of like finding something in the game or something. And then you would send it in and win a bunch of money. But I feel like a lot of these things get set up with a contest maybe to cover the fact that they're not very good. Or nobody wants to put the work into actually solving said contest. Speaking of, you can uh, sign up for our contest right now to win the Conqueror's Bad Fur Day soundtrack. (laughs) Yeah, sign up for that one. That's a great contest. I mean, that one's just an offshoot of something that's already good. Yeah. Uh, Tugging collar, tugging (laughs) collar. So, Earthworm Jim 1 and 2 came out, uh, 94, 95. They're great games. You should play them. Um, And then many years went by. Yeah, Um, long time. We didn't see anything from the series uh, until... Oh, yeah, there's one other little fact about Doug Tenepel I had to throw in there, even though this one might be apocryphal. But I read on the Earthworm Jim wiki, so it might, I don't know. Uh, whoever Wikis are airtight, Whoever Steve. upkeeps that is real, really invested in this. But allegedly, the character Professor Monkey for a Head is uh, Doug Tendapel's response to evolution. As being because, an outrageous idea. Yeah, because he's very like, uh, uh, what do you, what's the word? Like creationist. Creationist. Yeah, yeah, he's very creationist. And uh, he had a professor who tried to teach him evolution. And he thought it was so stupid that he made this uh, intellectual character with a monkey for a head. So there nice. you go. It makes sense, but yeah. So yeah, talented guy, uh, problematic. Maybe think twice about giving him your money. Um, so anyway, so let's I, talk about this game. Yeah, I think before this game came out, in this gap from Earthworm Jim 2 to Earthworm Jim 3D, I believe Shiny lost the rights to Earthworm Jim or got bought by another company. They got bought by Interplay. Okay. And um, Interplay farmed this license out to a company called VIS. Um so yeah, here, let's dig into this. So Earthworm Jim 3D was released October 31st, 1999, developed by VIS and uh, published by Rockstar Games, and it's also available on Windows. So VIS was a British studio, um, and Earthworm Jim 3D was only their second game. I, I forget the name of their first game. It wasn't important. Uh, I think today they're best known for the controversy-baiting 2002 title State of Emergency. Ah, uh, yes. Which was uh, kind of billed as the GTA killer, and then it came out. But it was like, also by Rockstar. It was also by Rockstar. And uh, they, you know, it came out with all this wave of hype, and then it turns out, oh, this is just kind of a really mediocre beat-em-up with, like, shock value slapped on. Uh, we're going to meet them twice more on this system. They did the uh, Powerpuff Girls and the Tom and Jerry games on the N64. And the company folded in 2005 because they had two kind of high-profile flops that year. One of them was NARC, which we talked about on oh, the show yeah. before. And the other was a uh, Native American-themed uh, platformer called Brave Search for Spirit Dancer. I have never heard of that game. Exactly. What system was that on? That was on uh, PS2 and Xbox. Huh. And I think maybe GameCube as well. 
Uh, Rockstar, we have met before, of course. Uh, we will meet many times we'll meet again. Many times again. As of the this time of this release, uh, their newest game, Red Dead Redemption Two, is coming out this Friday. And uh, it's if you're listening to it on probably going to be the biggest game of the year by far. I don't see anything else that could upset that. Uh, so it's it's about to come out. The company's been catching some flack this week because there've been some news reports coming out that they were making their devs do like hundred hour work weeks trying to get this game out. Yeah. And that kind of puts a little bit of a damper on this game that I've really been looking forward to playing for like a decade now. Uh, weirdly, the first Red Dead Redemption is like how me and Nicole first bonded when we first met. Because she walked in on me playing it and I was like gutting a bear. And she was really <laughs> fascinated that there's a game out there that lets you gut bears and ride horses. So she would like sit and watch me play for a while. And like, yeah, so we bonded over that. Okay. You know, so hopefully uh, this game with its realistic uh, horse nut shrinkage is going to <laughs> take your relationship to the next well. level. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, uh, you know, I, I it's a bummer. I hope uh, the employees get some really good compensation once this game hits big. Steve, um, I got bad news for you. I think that's pretty common in the video game industry in general. Look at Telltale right just now. Like, My God, they jam- really shat the bed. Yeah, they just really, when the game comes out, they just work people to death. That's a real shame. So uh, the release date, October 31st, 1999. This is worth mentioning, okay? Because if my research is correct, and I haven't found anything to contradict this, this is the biggest single release day for the N64. Oh. There are 17 games wow. that came out on this That's one like day. That's like half the system. It's, uh, I did the math on that. It is 6% of the total games released for the N64 were released on this one day. And like four of these are basketball games. So on the same day we saw Earthworm Jim 3D, Lego Racers, Namco Museum 64, NBA Courtside 2, NBA Jam 2000, NBA Live 2000, NBA Showtime... Paperboy, Rayman 2, Ready to Rumble Boxing, Resident Evil 2, Rocket Robot on Wheels, South Park Chef's Love Shack, Supercross 2000, Top Gear Rally 2, Two Rock Rage Wars, and WWF WrestleMania 2000. Goodness gracious. One day. There's there's a couple great games in there. That's a hell of a Halloween. I won't spoil which ones, but... uh... (laughs) There's at least two that I know that are good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I feel like that's very odd, though. They definitely could have spaced it out. I know this game probably could have used a couple more months. Yeah, of the I developers think so. working a hundred hour weeks. Maybe okay. So. We need to come up with a sound effect for now. We have our we have our uh, grappling hook one. Right now, we need one for the October thirty first, nineteen ninety nine button that we'll use seventeen times. Uh, like, well, maybe you can find a movie that came out that day, or okay. maybe uh, just sort of a generic Halloween howl. Oh, I'll play the Halloween theme. Yeah, and then you can just say 1999. Yes, I'll specify. This is specifically the theme from Halloween H2O. Yeah, starring Josh Hartnett. Okay, so uh, yeah, so here's the plot of Earthworm Jim 3D. Jim is hit in the head by a flying cow. If you explain the uh, origins of that, yeah. So that's a recurring theme in the game. At the beginning of Earthworm Jim, you would whip a fridge. It would fall down and launch a cow into the air via teeter totter. Newton's, I think, second law of motion. Um, and it's then it, the, yeah. The, yeah, it's one of the top it's a, two. It's his second best law yeah. of motion. Yeah. Um, and then you would play through the whole game. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, you would see the ending, and then the cow would just fall and crush you, and then the game was over. Yeah, it's real cute. It's like, yeah, you you do that first, almost first thing in the game, and you're like, all right, why did I do that? Yeah. It was fun, but um, so you're hitting the head with a flying cow, and uh, you're now in a coma. So you play as Jim's super ego. You're locked inside his own head, and you have to navigate into various, like, he has four worm brains, which I was trying to look up if worms actually have four brains. I don't know. Um, 
So you have four different word br- worm brains that you have to go into. You have to collect what's called the golden udders of lucidity, which are just cow udders that are gold. They're just random golden shiny things to collect. Yep. And you also have to collect all of your marbles because he lost his marbles. Get it? And uh, so you have to go into each of these worlds and get your subconscious under control because you have memories of all of your villains that are trying to make Jim go insane. And so, so yeah. there's four worlds in this game. Um, the first one that you play is Memory, mm-hmm. and it's like a barnyard-themed world. Yeah, um, he's having a memory of when he was still a young worm, and there was like a, a war that broke out on the farm between cows and chickens. Yep. And then the second one is food-themed. That's happiness. And mm-hmm. so there's a level that's just full of a bunch of boiling nacho cheese. I mm-hmm. think it also has a weird one where you get abducted by aliens, and there's randomly a Elvis impersonator there. Oh. Um, you said the third one was spooky? Right? Yeah, there's like, a fear, and so it's like all vampires and ghosts. and okay. uh, kind of. I mean, that's kind, kind of... Kind of conquer bad for AS. I was hoping they would go with something a little more creative. Like, what would he be afraid of Like that would be more interesting than just ghosts? Old people. Old people, sure. It seems like it would kind of match the brand. I think Um, that would match the brand, yeah. Old people, or he's just like really afraid of like... Or children, by that same... Children, puppies, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something something kind of innocuous that he would... And then the last level, again, lacking creativity, is Wild West, which isn't particularly interesting in of itself, and especially when you already have a barnyard level. Yeah, they're kind of complement each other. That's supposed to be the fantasy level, so I would have rather they go with like a fantasy level. Medieval, yeah. Yeah, even though that's... Creatures or... That's arguably a little more on the nose, but it's still kind of, that'd be more fun than having them doubling up on the rustic thing. I feel like that's one of the biggest, I mean, there's a lot of criticism to be leveled at this game, but one that I find most disappointing is kind of, this game really takes a step down in terms of character from one and two. It's a lot less colorful. It's a lot less weird. It's still kind of weird. I mean, the first level, you're running around talking to pigs and cows, and you get this big cleaver that cuts off the cows' heads, which is surprisingly violent. That was really nuts. Uh, I didn't know. I was. I didn't remember that part at all. Yeah, but it's still not. It's not surreal the way you know. For being in Jim's head, you'd think that they could throw all sorts of random stuff. And I guess I should also say that Doug Tendapal, I don't think is involved in this game at all. He was brought on as a consultant. So it was Doug Perry and um, David Perry. David Perry. I'm sorry. And so they were dismissed. Almost immediately, and uh, they don't say why, but uh, this one had kind of a troubled uh, production cycle. So, yeah, like I said, he was brought in as a consultant on the characters and promptly dismissed. Uh, The game is delayed numerous times, and it saw a lot of turnaround on the development team. So, like, by the time the game was actually released, it didn't really match up with the promotional images that they'd released a couple months before. Like... Evil the Cat was supposed to be one of the bosses in this, and he's not in it. Like, there are different worlds that aren't in it uh, that were appeared in early ads. So, yeah, it was kind of troubled. And apparently Doug Tendapel hates this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said on multiple different interviews that I've read that uh, he considers this game to be, like, the one that ruined the franchise. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's quite a statement. I don't—it takes a lot for a single game to ruin a franchise. And that's—this game, I feel—what's what, your opinion on— Bad, like your a brand that you enjoy on mm. a bad product. Like I feel like when we played Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero, I felt like the Mortal Kombat brand made it better for me. Um, just because as crappy as that game was, it was kind of fun to see those characters. Whereas on this game, the fact that it's an Earthworm Jim game makes me sad. Yeah, um, and mostly because it could really be any character in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just based on the the kind of drab levels. Like I think one of the things I liked about the early gym games is that 
everything it's just so packed with little details like there's so much going on in the background and everything it's it's a lot of fun to just try and just it's a lot of fun to just look at and this one it, i don't think it looks bad i think it looks competent you can tell what everything is uh and and uh jim's animation is solid it's fine but it just it looks like everything else yeah uh, so that's just that's just a little bit of a letdown and i think what it is is i think part of the reason that this i mean i really from a from like an emotional standpoint, I really dislike this game, um, and I think probably it's pretty similar to what Doug Doug said about it. Doug and I were on a face name basis now. Oh sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It it it's blogged together. Hopefully, yeah, not. exactly. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm follow him on Twitter, promote my alt right agenda. Um, is it is really sad. I do think that this is the game that sort of ruined the franchise, and I don't think I would dislike this game as much if there were still Earthworm Jim games being made. And yeah. there, there's been talk of more Earthworm Jim games, but it's never quite come together. Well, so um, weirdly, uh, a part of the reason it, there might be a bit of a disconnect is that this game is based on the TV show mm-hmm. and not on the previous games. And I think, obviously, there may have been some licensing stuff because VIS is a subsidiary of Interplay. When they bought Shiny, they just kind of shunted this one off to whatever team was available to take it on. So, like, I don't think they were appreciative of the franchise of like what they had or what it could have been yeah so they just kind of shunted it off to the nearest available person it's Um, sort of it's sort of been like an un it's an unmatched aesthetic like i don't know quite any game that has sort of really leaned into this sort of cartoony surrealism and maintained it of the first two which is a shame it's something i'd like to see more of i mean i do want to clarify i for the most part i don't think this game is like a mess this isn't like this isn't like an unplayable disaster of a game. No. For the most part. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. But <clears throat> you, a, you start it up and it's like, it's pretty fun. It's a little on the dull side. It's a yeah. little on the simplistic side. I would side. say it sort of hits the competency of a 3D platformer. Yeah. Um, the controls are fine. You, controls are fine. Camera's a bit of a mess. Camera's quite bad. They're all a mess on the N64. Yeah, like, I don't it's, know. It's not the worst we've seen, but it's not great. Yeah, I don't know. There's just degrees of terrible camera, and at some point it doesn't matter how bad the camera is, because it just makes the game worse. Yeah, and yeah. we wish it was better. But, it's true. And but yeah, so you run around, you shoot at chickens, you shoot your gun. Um, it's pretty, mostly pretty easy and pretty straightforward, and you want to kind of keep playing to see what the game has going for it. So you play through the two levels, collect the marbles, collect the udders, and then you open the boss level. Let's talk about this boss level. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the way back button here, and we are now back in the year 2000 when a strapping the distant young, future, the re- year 2000, ridiculously handsome young teenage Steve Guntley is uh, renting this game from his local blockbuster because I loved uh, Earthworm Jim at the time, and I, I'd heard that this game was coming, but I didn't know that it was out. So I found it, I rented it, I'm so excited, and I'm playing the game. I'm like, you know what, this is pretty good. This this plays kind of like Mario with guns. I'm enjoying it. it Better than EGM good. said it was. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. And uh, then I get to this boss level. The first boss fight is against Psycho. Uh, and so you, you have to pay a certain number of marbles to get in the door. You, and yeah, and the door opens, and you slide in, and Jim is surfing on a pig. And, and I'm like, think, delightful. Yeah. Look at that. He's on a, the pig's on his back. He's standing on the pig's belly, and he just the pig looks all dazed and confused. And it's like, okay, this is going to be charming. What's happening here? Psycho comes out the other side of the arena in a tank, mm-hmm. like a hover tank. 
uh, you exchange some banter, and then you're cut loose, and you're supposed to be collecting these like little marbles that are scattered around the stage. You see on there's a picture of you on the left and a picture of Cycro's head on the right. Mm-hmm. You each have 50 marbles, and um, then there's some missiles. So the goal here is to be the one with 100 marbles while the other person has zero marbles. Hence the power of math. Exactly. You get the... Uh, tank shells, and you shoot at the other guy. He drops it's unclear some marbles. where the tank shells come out of the pig, but we're willing to accept this. I mean, if it's coming out of the front of him, definitely coming out of the front of the. I pig, think yeah. intentionally they made it so that the 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 pig's face is facing forward. Okay, like he's on his back and he's on his belly. Like you're standing on his belly, but his face is facing forward. So these are not butt pig launchers. No, just thankfully, don't worry, parents groups. Yeah. We're yeah, so you're exchanging missiles and you're knocking marbles out of the other person, and you're supposed to scoop them all up before they can pick them up, and uh, you need to avoid their missiles long enough to get 100 If you get hit marbles. by a missile, you will drop some. Yes, yes. You drop, like I think, like five at a time when mm-hmm. you get hit. Uh, so this, in even describing it, sounds horrible, right? I mean, um, if, if, I don't know if describing it sounds as horrible as it actually is. We want to reinforce people listen to us now yeah this is if we take this to our tombstone with important info that we have passed (laughs) on in the realm of ultra 64 this is our legacy it is this is probably the worst fight boss fight ever in like this all of game history this is a design choice that kills the game mm -hmm. like I can't even think of a more disastrous choice unbelievably frustrating because the missiles seek you Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very hard to dodge. The pig controls like gar. I mean, a pig controls like you would think a sliding, riding a sliding right. pig you're, would. You're riding, yeah. You're, but it's, it's very frustrating. So no you're con- precision. Yeah. No precision. You're constantly getting hit by missiles, dropping yours, having to pick up his. And then there's also, you have a health bar. So as you're getting shot by missiles, you're slowly dying. Yeah. And then you lose. Psycho does not have a health bar, by the way. Yeah. And you start back at zero marbles. Yep. And it's... It probably, even if you do it right, it takes probably 10 minutes if you had a flawless oh, God. run at least, but I don't... I can't imagine what a flawless run it oh, would Oh, yeah, like, and so it's just so tedious, the and it first just time, keeps going. If we're, if we're flashing back again to yeah. 2000 and young Ooh. Steve, and uh, I, this was where like I spent a good hour, hour and a half trying to beat this boss, just riding around and riding around, getting more and more frustrated... Uh, just because I really just want to see if it was possible. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is like one bad boss fight. Yeah. This You'll isn't power gonna, through. You'll make it I'll happen. I'll power through. Like, I'm enjoying the rest of the game enough that I can power through this and get through it. So eventually, long, long, long time, I finally beat him. It's possible to do. <laughs> I move on to the next world. I'm like, okay, more hop and bop, exciting shooting action. It's super fun. Then we get to the next boss fight. It's the same fucking thing. It's not against Psycho. It's against a different boss. But, yeah. like, the gameplay is exactly the same. Same thing. It's it's uh, uh, slippery tank fighting, collecting marbles. And that's every boss. That's all four bosses in this game. Yeah. So not only is this unplayable section of this game, like, ruining it, they repeat it four times. It's crazy. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just such a terrible decision. I yeah. can't even wrap my head around why... I mean, this must be just the all the turnover and all the ideas sticking to the walls, and this is one of the ones that slid it's, through. You know, it's one of the worst gaming decisions that I have seen in a long time of playing games. To not only have, you know, it's one thing to slip this in the game and be like, oh, that didn't work very well, but then to use it four times. I mean, it, my God, yeah. And, and, like, there are several instances where you'll get to, like, 
90 something marbles and then you'll get shot and you'll lose a bunch of them and then you'll get shot again and shot again and shot again and then you'll be down to like 30 and you gotta start again oh it's it's infuriating like i was using such foul language playing this game and it was it was justified usually you know me i have a clean mouth i'm not a proponent of the proponent of the swears no no you're Um, you're you're always have a dog butt in your mouth like yeah <laughs> yeah which was a joke we made off air i just realized yeah so, that so that's very mind. confusing to people just assume he's kissing dog butts yeah always a safe <laughs> assumption always a safe assumption um, <laughs> and i fully support the profanity um in these boss fights yeah because they're just terrible it's maddening and it's it's more frustrating just because uh even playing this again right now i'm like all right i mean this is it's a little on the dull side, but this is far from the worst game we've played. It's a game is, you'd be very willing to play through I if keep going, these boss fights weren't there. There's enough, like, cute, weird little details in this that would keep me going. Like, I would want to see how this ends. You know, you get to, you get to swap out your gun every once in a while at these uh, uh, vending, vending machine. machines that have, like, limited-range guns. So you have, like, a gnome launcher. You have, like, a chicken that you fire explosive eggs out of his mm-hmm. butt. Like, there's some cute little touches in here. And I wanted to see the rest of the world. I wanted to see where it went, you know, but uh, this kills it. This absolutely destroys it for me. Yeah, I I can't argue with that. And it's sad to have something that, I mean, not that this game, you know, the loss of playing through this game is not like a great loss, but uh, it's, the boss fights are just awful. Yeah, they really, they, it's really, like, I can't overemphasize that enough. They're horrible. So, okay, there was a fourth uh Earthworm Jim game that made it out. It was Earthworm Jim Menace to the Galaxy that came out on the Game Boy Color. And this one kind of broke your rule. You always said that, like, on Wikipedia, when they're talking about the ref, uh, uh, the reception, they always say, it received mixed reviews, even when it's bad. Yeah. This one says that it was received very poorly. Oh, okay. So Good. Thank you for not... This is, uh, this, this is one time when they actually told the truth on that. So, yeah, it was received very poorly. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. This game is not intended for Game Boy Color. I don't think. I don't no. think you could really. I mean, it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a port of. No, no, no. But this series, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hit. Earthworm Jim Four has been rumored and announced and canceled and abandoned so many times. I've I've lost track at this point. So the initial mark them on idea. your calendar. You're yes. like, you have a little tally marker. You're like <laughs> this Mr. was when it was rejected the first. You're like Mister Zazaz for the amount of times that Earthworm Jim <laughs> gets announced. Pizza delivery. Oh yeah. <laughs> So, initially, Earthworm Jim 4 was going to be a PSP exclusive. Uh, it was going to come out in 2007. That would be perfect. That That'd would be a, be a perfect fit. system That would be a good fit it. because you can show off, like, this new technology and, like, do something cool with it. And keep it 2D and colorful. Yeah, absolutely. The Ghosts and Goblins game for PSP is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. The Maximo, like, the... Uh, Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, like, they had a, uh, like, a real-time strategy adaptation of Maximo. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is a, a really... I don't remember if that was on PSP, but that was huh. a fun one. Uh so, yeah, so that, that one fell through. The PSP one fell through. Then uh, the game was actually announced by Interplay in 2008, uh, and they went all in. They didn't confirm a platform or a release date, but they said there was going to be a new game, there was going to be a new season of the television show, Whoa. and there was going to be a movie. So <laughs> oh they, they dug in. That would have been super things. bizarre if there was an Earthworm Jim movie in 2008. I know. That'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, But uh, Doug Tenapel came forward the next year and he said, what? No, they never talked to me about this. I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe they got real excited and announced their plans, but they've never talked to him. They never confirmed anything. Uh, and then a couple other times it happened like the, uh, people would talk to them and they would be close to a deal and then negotiations would drop through. Uh, all the original people still seem interested in making it. Uh, and the uh, Doug Tendapel said like he feels confident that so we're it's announcing exist here. At some point. 
Produced by Ultra 64 Podcast, everybody. Yes. Earthworm Jim 4, it's finally happening. I'm paying for it out of my own yep, pocket. Yep, I've gone into Steve's wallet. I've taken everything there. Um, I know he's, leave the federal breast inspector's card. Yeah, I know he's got a safe in his basement somewhere. Um, once You'll I, never guess my magical <laughs> password, one, two, three, four, five. Once I find the chloroform, um, I'm going to start Top snooping shelf. around down there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's finally happening. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. It's, let's, um, do it. let's make it happen. It's going to be a very anti-evolution, um, <laughs> pro-men's rights game. <laughs> Earthworm Jim uh, You're actually just playing your... Donald Trump the entire time. Yeah, yeah he yeah. fights against all the political caress- correctness in uh, SJWs. Take that, single mother. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, all good. We, we hope this does not happen. This made me a little sick. Sorry. Apparently, the, uh, the idea that they had for it early on was that, like, you play the first couple levels of the game, and Jim's like morbidly obese because okay. he's been inactive for so long. I like that. That's funny. And like you have to get him back into shape. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of a funny idea. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, it, it may happen. It may not happen. I don't know. Uh, but the, the creators seem confident that it'll appear in some form or another. It's probably going to you know, be like, what was that Conquer game that showed up on that super random system we'd never heard oh, of? Oh, the Young Conquer on the uh, uh, HoloLens? Yeah, yeah, it'll probably show up on some like microsoft cloud download service is yeah. the new earthworm gym game that sort of only lasts for a few months yeah yeah no. i mean yeah whatever I, I i guess i don't know if i'd feel comfortable buying another earthworm gym mm. game to be honest like knowing what i know i'm just like you know i don't know i don't and know that's a that's a difficult world to live in i'm sure because i mean you know he just happens to be one of the people who is you know a higher profile creator but i'm sure if you were to dig into the backstories of any of the creators for these games you're gonna find someone like it's that. true and it's true and tough. i i do feel a little bad just like picking on him but he is like i said he's one of the bigger names that we yeah he's one of the few like video game developers that people know his name you know uh so yeah it's it's a, it's a complicated issue but at the same time it's just like if you really want to make change, if you really want to, like, voice yourself, you, you need to vote, vote with, with your, your money. Wallet, yeah. You know, that's the only thing that really seems to work anymore. So, uh, Well, thanks to the horrible boss fights in Earthworm Jim 3D, it probably won't happen. I feel <laughs> so, I, I feel better, yeah. I feel, yeah. So thank you, horrible boss fights. You've, you've saved me a moral <laughs> conundrum. Let's, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about Earthworm Jim? Um, play Earthworm Jim 2. Yeah, do that one. Skip this one. Go back. We're, we probably I, have a Super NES podcast out there somewhere. They're, oh, I, I, I think so. It. I mean, I own about 500 games for it, so we'll, that that's coming next. There we go. Let's, let's do it. It's Ultra Super. Ultra Super. Ultra Super 32. Ultra Super. No, I think, I think my next one I want to do is for the Wii U, because I have almost a complete collection at this point. All seven games? All seven games, and I'm going to call it Wii U. Why not? Yeah. Or Wii U? I would. There we go. I like that. That one's done. Either way, I like it. Uh, all right, let's move on to our rankings. Each week, we rank the games that we just played. We currently have 85 games on our Whoa. list. Man, I think I'll start off with this sure. one. Um, you know, before we started this episode, I was going to rank this higher because just being forgiving of the uh, the earlier parts of the game that are kind of fun and kind of playable. But uh, I don't think they're enough anymore yeah. to, like... Like, I was always wondering if I'd always just kind of exaggerated these boss fights in my head over the years, and, like, maybe they weren't as bad as all that. They're as bad as all oh, that. yes. So this one is going down at number 72. Holy it's, smokes. It's underneath uh, Nagano Winter Olympics 98. I would sooner play Nagano. Wow. Ouch. But it's better than Vigilante 8. Ooh, that's... There's that. That is harsh, Steve. It's better, it's better than about a dozen other games. This might be... Uh... 
I don't know. This might be one of our biggest discrepancies because I'm going to put this game, and now you're making me rethink it, but it's too late now. No. I've looked at the list. I'm putting this game at number 32, Whoa. which is right below Quake. Wow. So um, you were going to put it even higher than I was originally going to put it. Like, yeah. That's a huge discrepancy. I, I think that it's, I don't know, it plays, it goes down pretty smooth for most of it, and yeah. I do appreciate, I mean, I just am really a sucker for the weird Earthworm Jim humor, even though this one's not doesn't get it's not as funny as the earlier ones it still has enough character that i want to keep playing it and i mean i have i think i've made it to world three i've beaten the second boss and as i don't know it's such a weird thing because those boss fights are so awful um it i mean it doesn't really matter a whole lot because i don't really want to go back and play quake yeah this game i feel like i might try it every uh five years and give it another go and see if i can stomach through a boss fight maybe we'll do it a charity thing sometime <laughs> yeah like, yeah some of these games that are really like hard to struggle through we'll, we'll do them for charity hmm. all right well uh i uh, i have a letter i want to read this week and this this isn't signed it's so i don't letter know e from. yes oh you did it already oh Can sorry you... no that's okay uh so this one's funny to me for a couple reasons and you'll see why uh and yeah again it's unsigned hey love your guys's podcast I think y'all should cover Mace on the S64. <laughs> I, have a, I have a great memory of my mom, who never really plays video games. But one day, while my brothers and I were at school, she beat the game and paused it to rub it in our faces when she brought us back home. The game might not be the best now, but it gives me great memories. Thank you. So, listener, you are in luck. If you go back uh, about a dozen episodes or so, we covered Mace, and I forget what episode that is. Someone it's the it episode called Mace, the Dark it's the episode Age. with Mace and Dark Rift and... Some other crappy fighting No, game. what else? It wasn't Dark Rift. What was it? Uh, there it was, were weapons. It was, it was Mace game, and War know. Gods and... No, uh, War Gods, I think, added their own episode. No, you're no, right, no, no, you're right. because there's right. all Midway fighting games. That's yeah. right. And yeah. something else. And Mace, Mace the Dark Age is a bit of a sentimental favorite around here. It got brought up very early in our very podcast early, chronology. Early and often. So uh, we've kind of we've kind of dropped the Mace theme. That's a, that's a great story. I love the, I love the idea that the game that your mom was really into was Mace the Dark Age. That's really cute. Actually, yeah. that's that's why like that's why I said this is funny for two reasons because it's like an actual funny story. Plus, but, it's about Mace. But I mean, to me, that means hey, new listener. Welcome, guy. Yeah, Welcome, you know guy. what go, that means. We're gonna have to have a, a new episode about Mace, right? Maybe this should have... be the new gimmick. Is every ten episodes we revisit Mace the Dark Age? I'd be down. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be not? really weird. Every ten episodes, we just see if we got better at Mace the Dark Age. <laughs> I bet every time we play it, that would go up higher in our rankings. I feel like we were a little hard on that one, like because I feel like the the more we pl- the more games we play on here, and even the more fighting games we play, I'm like. Man, yeah, Mace was really fucking dope, actually. Like, the graphics are so good in that game. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so there's, I guess, one other thing I just wanted to mention, just because I haven't mentioned it in a while. I wanted to give a shout-out to The Octopus Project. They are providing our wonderful theme song, and they are about to go on a four-show tour through Texas. So uh, they're playing with uh, the band with the greatest band name of all time, and you will know us by the Trail of the Dead. The ellipses, and you will know us by yes. the Trail of the Dead. It's a great band. I still, like, I was exposed to them on Conan O'Brien. Okay. They came on. It was just really funny hearing Conan say the name of the band, like, <laughs> trying to not make a joke. But they're great, and Octopus Project is great. So if you're in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, go to theoctopusproject.com right now for tickets. They put on a great show, and they're very kind to let us use their song for uh, our theme song. So go show them some support. The Octopus Project would be a pretty good name for like a 
I don't know, like a puzzle video game. Ooh, yeah, I would play that. Yeah, I would. Let's talk to them. I want the Octopus Project game. Uh, All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we still have a cop, a vinyl two record copy of Conker's Bad Fur Day soundtrack, up for grabs. All you have to do to enter the contest is to uh, retweet the tweet posted on our Twitter account at Ultra Sixty Four Podcast. Send us uh, or give us a rating and a review on on iTunes. iTunes. Uh, Join our Facebook community. And, or send us uh, some artwork for a potential T-shirt to yeah. our uh, email address. Any combination of those things will get you entries. It'll and get you the points. more you do, the more points you get, and then you can exchange those points for wonderful prizes later. Absolutely. And go sell magazine subscriptions to your neighbors. Oh, people. I'm sorry, you only did four T-shirts. Uh, that's uh, that's a pencil eraser. Yeah, uh, but it's but it's shaped like a race car. Did you get and those? It smudges Steve? your paper. Like the things in the back of the magazines that are like sell subscriptions. Yeah. and then we will trade you in and get an NES. And but the we- NES was like sell like a million like 500 subscriptions and you sold like six it was like an unrealistic amount like nobody was ever going to get yeah the nes uh, we we had to sell chocolate in uh elementary school i don't know if you did that no but you, I think you grew up on an island so you didn't yeah. have a whole lot of like door-to-door i think to it, it was like my neighbors were you know yeah the neighbors just see the same kids every time like i would never visit them and then when they saw me at the door like oh yeah oh great what this am i buying here now? with this chalky chocolate that was weird that that somehow became an allowed thing of like recruit it's, your kids to sell your merchandise it's like early <laughs> capitalism lessons i guess yeah. for the kids i don't know uh but yes, so uh, yeah, do all that and uh, have a good time. You can win this really gorgeous-looking uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day vinyl soundtrack. Uh, like I said, we have a couple of crazy games for these next few weeks. We're going to have some really big, really fun games. Next week, we are hopefully... I'm not going to spoil it by saying who our special guest is, but we will have a special guest to play Ogre Battle 64. Let's just say that our special guest has a lordly caliber. He is a person of lordly caliber. <laughs> Because we're playing Ogre Battle 64. Sponsored by Lord. It's Lord is our guest, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Lord. I'm Lord. (laughs) I missed that episode. I understand that reference, but I missed that episode. It was not a great episode. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them weren't. It's still a fun bit. Uh, so yeah, everybody, tune in for that. It's going to be great. One of the like RPGist games on the N64. Probably the RPGist. The the echelon of RPGness. Yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. So tune in for that and stay groovy, everyone. Stay groovy, groovy. <laughs>